baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 97.1 FM Talk. On Demand Audio. As we were closing the show out yesterday, we had um, uh, the story break about, and I, I don't know why I had forgotten about this, because we talked about on the Roundtable Friday, Sue, that the uh, three aldermen who had to resign in the wake of the bribery and the corruption charges were going to get sentenced. And in fact, that did happen yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, John Collins Muhammad, former alderman, uh, Lewis Reed, the former board of aldermanic president, Jeffrey Boyd, all sentenced to um at least three years, Jeffrey Boyd, three years, Lewis Reed and John Collins Muhammad, three years and nine months. And it was something I, can't, I think that caught a lot of us off guard, especially those of us who had relationships with these people who are going yeah. to prison. And some of them were on the rear and round table on a regular basis. Someone who knows, unfortunately, um, things about this because uh, he was charged with a federal crime years ago as Jeff Smith, former state senator, who is currently on the round table. And I thought he'd be a good person to kind of touch base with here as far as what these guys are going to be presented with. Jeffrey, how are you this afternoon? I'm good. How are you, Mark? Fantastic. Um, you know, in uh, ordinarily, I'm just going to admit, bi- I have to admit bias because ordinarily I'd probably be pounding my fist saying, good, you know, send them as long as you can. But I know a couple of these guys and I, I like them. And I think what's more disappointing than anything else is that, and we've talked about this, Jeff, on the round table, you think that Jeffrey and Lewis were maybe a couple of the good guys on the board of Alderman are trying to do the right things. And then something like this happens and you have to wonder a few things. How often has it happened before with them? And then how often is it happening with other people? So I think that's, that's a reaction that I'm sharing with other people that I'm talking to about this. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a fair reaction. Uh, there didn't, you know, in the um, indictment, if you read it or if you uh, saw the photographs that accompanied um, the pre-sentencing uh, activity from the prosecutor's office, there didn't seem to be like a lot of hesitation. Uh, it, it didn't seem to be, you know, an exceptional circumstance uh, from their perspective. So obviously, you know, very disappointing Uh and an abuse of, of their office, and they'll pay the price for that uh, over the next several years of their life and really for the rest of their life because, you know, as, as um, I've been very blessed uh, since my experience to be able to come back and stay and be involved in public policy and uh, be working on a lot of the same causes that I used to work on when I was, was in public life. But there are profound collateral consequences to felony convictions in this country whether you're talking about, you know, housing or employment or any number of other things. So, you know, I've, when a couple of the other people reached out to me, I said to them something that I've learned, which is the way you go down determines whether you can get back up. And I'm hopeful that uh, they're humbled and they'll start focusing uh, first on how they can survive prison and then on what they can do the rest of their life to, to contribute positively to this community. So what, what happens from, from yesterday on? Because you're given a certain amount of time to get your affairs in order. Is that what happens? They won't start the sentences until February is what I understand? Yeah, that, that sounds about right to me. I was sentenced at about the same time of year and uh, started right, you know, right at the start of January after the holidays. You know, you're pretty lucky if you're a white-collar offender in that way. Um, most 
uh, people who go to prison in this country don't have the luxury of self-surrendering. Um, and so, yes, they will get to have time to, you know, spend the holidays and with their family and get their affairs in order before they report. Um, the downside of that, I, uh, as I experienced it, was that I was not, when I got to prison, um, I had a certain, they put a certain type of uniform on me, which marked me as someone who had not come there from county jail. And so everybody knew that I was one of the rare self-surrenders, you know, a, a, a white oh, collar really? offender. Wow. Yeah, and so they immediately started. Oh, we lost him. You there, oh, the oh. assumption the assumption is that you're pretty soft mm. if you didn't oh, come there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so, so anyway, um, just a little quirk of prison life that I thought I'd share with uh, most of the listeners who hopefully will never have to experience it themselves. Jeff, it's Sue. I, I'm wondering what it you is. thought. Hi, when you heard the uh, you know the sentences come down, what what were your first thoughts? I mean, I wasn't surprised. I you know was uh, pretty sure that certain that they were all going to go to prison. Um, bribery is a pretty serious offense, and um, when you go through uh, the system, you learn a lot about the federal sentencing guidelines, the points. Um, there are a certain number of points attached to any type of offense. And, you know, my uh, offense was obstruction of justice. It was a much lower number of points, and the points correspond with the number of months uh, that the judge is guided to, to give you for a sentence. So all of the sentences were close, you know, either in line or very close to being in line with the federal sentencing guidelines. Um, I was a little surprised that John Collins Muhammad didn't get a slightly lighter sentence and I'm a little surprised maybe that Lewis Reed didn't get a slightly heavier sentence just because he had a position of greater responsibility sure. and had been in public life for longer. And so oftentimes a judge will look at something that a very young, you know, public servant might do and say, you know, Hey, he didn't have a, as much authority or responsibility. He was new in public life, you know, newer in public life. Um, and maybe sometimes think of that as a mitigating factor, but did not happen in this case. So, Jeff, what what's the reality of the length of the sentence? Help me out with that. So if it's three years and nine months, how much of that will they serve realistically? So state prison and federal prison operate very differently. In the state system, if you get, you know, a five-year sentence, you're probably going to realistically do two years. Um, you know, you know, 18 months. Right. They, people cycle in and out of state prisons much faster. In the federal system, you know, federal statute requires you to do 85% of your time that you're sentenced to. And so, you know, you're going to, if you know, if you get a four-year sentence, you're probably going to be there three years and three months or something like that. And then you may get 90 days of halfway house time where you can serve the final you know, few months of your of your sentence in the community. But the most you can get off for positive behavior is 15 percent of your sentence. And that's if and that's if nothing goes wrong from the minute you get in to the minute you yeah. go home. So they're if going they're going getting, for three you, like Lewis yeah. and Jeffrey are going for three years yeah. at least in likelihood. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, the other thing that can be a mitigating circumstance, and this was the case for uh, former county executive Steve Stanger, if you get into um, I hope I'm not speaking out of school here, but I think this is public knowledge. If you get into like a substance use, you know, uh, treatment program, 
um, then that can get you a little bit of time off. And so some people who get in uh, to those programs, which are very difficult to get into because you have to have a documented uh, you know, history of, of drinking or whatever substance it is, and that can take a little bit of time off your sentence. But look, for the most part, you know, if you get 10 years, you're probably going to do eight or nine. If you get four years, you know, around three, four years like these folks do, you know, you're going to do most of that time. Jeff Smith, former state senator. In, in the federal, in the federal right, system. Right, These are right. federal crimes, not state crimes. So um, Jeff went to federal prison for how long? What was the sentence? Uh, my sentence was a year and a day. And so I did about 10 months. And that's um, another quirk of my sentence was that that extra day, a lot of people who, who were unfamiliar with sentencing said, oh, that day was like an extra screw you from the judge, like an exclamation point on the sentence. But it was actually the opposite of that. Um, if you get more than a year, then you can get that 15% of your time off for what's called good time for good behavior. So that extra day actually allowed me to serve 45 fewer days, because if you have a sentence that's a year or less, you can't get any that you can't get that 15 percent of good time okay jeff that makes sense i didn't know that if i did i think i'd forgotten it. yeah that's really interesting okay i have a another question you said you talked to some of them what was your advice to with them what was the first or second what are the couple things that you wanted to let them know before this before they go in um well you know the first thing just to reiterate what i said before is that People are paying close attention to everything you do from the minute that you are in the news for uh, for a crime to, you know, to the minute you go away. People are watching to see how you handle it. You know, are you going to, you know, fight? Are you going to blame the media? Are you going to blame, you know, the prosecutor? Are you going to blame somebody that, uh, you know, a co-conspirator or are you going to accept responsibility for what you did and try to make the best of it. Um, that's the first thing that I think, you know, understanding that like there are implications to how you handle, you know, the, the initial story. Um, if you spend six months being like, you know, screw, you know, screw all these people. Other people have done way worse than I did. I got framed. This is total BS. Then, Ultimately, you're probably still going to lose because the feds don't really indict unless they have an overwhelming case against you. They win something like 97 percent of the time when they go to trial. And so if you behave like that right when it comes down, it's much harder to have credibility when you come back out because that's what people remember is that you were like intransigent about it and you refuse to accept you know, responsibility. So you got to kind of play the odds with these things. And the odds are, you're, you know, if you go to trial, you're going to lose, even if you don't think what you did was that bad. And so, you know, I encouraged, you know, I don't want to say too much about these individual cases, but a lot of these cases, when I first, when people first come to me, they say, I'm going to fight it. I didn't do anything wrong. Right. And, and then when you talk them through it a little bit more, and, you know, I try to just listen and, and hear their side of the story and then, you know, bring them around to the view that um, maybe you should look at it from a different angle because you're just looking at it from the perspective of, I just thought I was doing the right thing for my community, you know, because some people might say in, in a situation like this, I would have given them the tax abatement anyway because 
they're a good business and we need more businesses in my community. So it didn't make a difference to me that they, that they Mm -hmm. gave me a car repair and it's like, okay, but that doesn't make it legal. (laughs) Right. Right. Exactly. Well, you know, and and I'm sure you've thought about this and I've talked to a couple of people in the last 24 hours, just mentioning your case, because in the whole scheme of things, now look, you accepted responsibility. You went to prison. You wrote a book called Mr. Smith goes to prison, but in the whole scheme of things, you lied about a campaign flyer. This is in, in my view, a lot more serious, but it is what it is at this point. And obviously I think in your case, the judge was trying to make an example. I think in this case, there's an effort to do that justifiably as well. Do you think that the message, because again, I think that our perspective is people out there in the community, this has to happen a lot more often. It's probably happening right now. Even how Goldsmith didn't say that the investigation is closed. They could be looking at other things, but would this be an effective message to other public officials saying, man, you better be careful. Don't get caught doing this or don't do it is really the message. Not don't get caught. You know, first of all, I sure hope it is. And I've spent a lot of time the last decade speaking to the Missouri legislature, going to Idaho and Kentucky and states all over the country addressing state legislators, sharing my story as sort of a political scared straight, if you will. Right. You know, you can do something that you don't think is that big of a deal or you think other people do the same thing in their campaigns or whatever, but it doesn't matter. That's not a defense that everybody does it. And, you know, my case was like a needle in a haystack kind of case, which just the, the circumstances that led them to me you know, were someone else's crime that had nothing to do with mine, who then told about something else that related to to what I had done. So you can think there's no way they'll ever find out about this, but I'm living proof that they can. And, you know, um, so I think that, you know, you asked a, a minute ago, you know, what would you tell people, you know, what, what do you advise people in these circumstances? And I think the key thing is to say that, this does not have to define the rest of your life. You screwed up and it is what it is, but don't keep looking backward, look forward and start looking forward in prison. You've got this gift of time. We all spend, especially those of us in public life, every minute is programmed. You're going from meeting to meeting to meeting. When I was in the Senate, I might have 50 meetings in a day, 10 minutes at a time. You barely have a chance to think, well, now you've got the gift of time. You can read all the classics that you didn't read in high school when you were supposed to. You can write poetry. You can paint. You know, you can, you know, you'll have a prison job like everybody else. You'll have to go and, you know, clean, be in the cafeteria or clean bathrooms. Or I worked on a warehouse loading dock. But you'll have time and you should use that time to make yourself a better person. Learn about things that you've always wanted to know. Maybe learn about a new profession or field that you might have to get well, into. that would be a good suggestion yeah. here. Yeah, a new field I think would maybe be something to focus on for sure. And and, and get your and, and get yourself. Well, I mean, you know, I I'm in a new area. No, I'm still in public policy. Yeah. I mean, you know, you. But you know, the other thing is that you should work on your body, right? Because a lot of us, you know, people go into prison and they're not in great shape. But you need to be in good shape in some cases to survive in prison. I mean, I went and I played basketball. And I got hurt pretty bad my first couple of weeks uh, trying to trying to hold my own. So it forced me to go into the weight room. And, you know, I put on a lot of muscle and I learned to get in better shape. I learned the relationship between the food I ate and how I felt because the food was so crappy in there. And it helped shape my values for how I was going to take care of my mind and body when I came home. So I hope they'll use this as a time to try to better themselves and also 
help other people. Because another key thing you learn when you get locked up is you might think you have it bad, but somebody else has it way worse than you. In my case, I had the second shortest sentence out of 2,500 people in the two facilities where I was incarcerated. So my celly, when I got there, he had been in and out of prison for over 25 years. I just had one year. And that helped me see how lucky I was. So spend that time to help other people who are studying for their GED. Because these guys all have, you know, are all pretty educated. Help other people who are thinking about career options who are closer to the door than you are. Because these three guys all have a wider experience of society and different opportunities, uh, maybe than some people who are coming out. So, you know, try to pay it forward. What was your, you know, you wrote about this in the book, but what was the first night in prison like Yeah, mentally? Because I, I can see how, you know, this whole process would be torturous, but that first night had mm. to be something that stood out. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, there's in the same way that we all remember exactly where we were on 9-11. Uh, you remember exactly the moment that the gates clang shut behind you in prison. Yeah. It's indelibly etched on your brain the rest of your life. Um, I remember, uh, yeah, going and meeting my Shelly for the first time, you know, and him asking me, you know, what'd you do? And I was like, you know, lie to the feds. And he's like, uh, you know, how'd they figure it out? And I was like, well, my best friend wore a wire. Yeah. And then, then they made a comment about what he deserved. I'm sure. <laughs> uh, that was like my first interaction with other people there. Um, laying in bed the first night. I mean, the first thing I thought is this mattress has to be like thinner than my fingernail. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> and you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not complaining. I'm not whining, but I, you know, like I had a, I suffered a back injury while I was there. I fell off. Uh, I was being hoisted up on top of a f- industrial freezer that was about 13 or 14 feet off the ground. And the guy who was holding me up, he got distracted by a female delivery person. Oh, jeez, figures. And he and he let go of my boot, and I fell on my back. So, Oof. you know, it was um, one thing I remember not from that first night, but subsequently, it was just you know, every night when I got into bed and my back, you know, was in, in pain from from that injury. Just thinking, I was a very frugal person. I always had been a frugal person, but when I get out. I'm getting a good freaking mattress. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got plenty of time to think about those priorities. Uh, look, they, they are getting the punishment that, unfortunately, they deserve. I think that we, we heard a little bit from them in court yesterday where they seem to be accepting responsibility. You know, I know that when all this started, Jeff, we were talking about this a little bit just even on the roundtable, and it looked like John and uh, Jeffrey were coming to terms with a guilty plea. Lewis decided, I think, for a moment that he was going to fight this. But then I, I was told by somebody who was asked to write a letter for, for Lewis, you know, because people write letters and ask for more leniency, and I don't know if it ever works. They said once they saw the video, they were privy to some of the video with the bribery, and they said, I can't do it because this stuff gets exposed. Maybe that's something that people should see, mm. see the video, because we've seen some pictures, but maybe that would be more effective. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I uh, uh, I wrote a letter for, for John Collins Muhammad. He, I knew him when he was in high school. He was in high school student government and right when I around when I got elected to the Senate and came into my office and I saw this young guy with so much potential, so bright and so interested in his community and how he could help. He he played a role in my three on three basketball tournaments that I used to hold. Uh, 
And, you know, I wrote just about that and knowing him when he was young um, and basically saying he made serious, serious mistakes here, a huge lapse of judgment. But that kid, I I still see that kid in there somewhere. And I don't want him, you know, I, I was hoping for some kind of lighter, maybe creative sentence. You know, like when I was um, trying to mitigate my sentence, I asked, hey, instead of going to prison, could I teach for two years without salary and coach basketball at a city school and just be confined to my home outside of that? Because, like, I'm not a threat to society. It didn't work. But I was hoping that maybe some lighter, you know, lesser prison sentence combined with some type of, like, two years of community service, speaking to kids all over the city about his mistakes. To me, my view of the world is, that would be a better outcome for society, his chance to, to actually affect kids' lives behind him. Unfortunately, it's not the direction the judge went. Well, don't you think, though, it was Stephen Clark was the judge. Don't you think he might have been tempted to go in that direction? Then he saw the coat that John Collins Muhammad was walking into the courtroom with and said, no, we're not going to give you a lighter sentence. I do think you have to admit that that's a possibility, Smith. I don't know. I'm just saying. I don't know why you wear that to court. Anyway, hey, great to have you on. I know that we've talked about these issues in the past, and I'm sure it's not always pleasurable to bring up. But thank you for the, uh, the time this afternoon. I appreciate it. It's always good to visit with you. All See right. you, Mark. Take care. Get more at 971talk.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.